Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe and Royals podcast. Joining us on the show today, Joel Goldberg. He is a Kansas City Royals broadcaster and also a podcast host just like us. Joel, what's going on? How are we doing today? Doing great. No complaints. We got baseball, which I know certainly makes all Royals fans happy. And, um, you know, beats where we were a year ago. We're not quite back yet, but I, I can't complain. Uh, this is the first Memorial Day weekend. We've had baseball in almost two years. I think fans are starting to just get excited to enjoy a day off and watch baseball at the same time. What can fans expect from this Royals team heading into this Memorial Day weekend? Well, we'll see how, how the weekend goes in Minnesota. I think that'll be very telling, and I don't know how it'll go. I, I'm, I'm not very good with the prediction business, certainly not in baseball. It's impossible, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see do they come home with some momentum or not because Minnesota, in spite of their record, is playing actually very good baseball, and, and I'm smart enough in terms of having been around long enough to at least know that that teams go through hot and cold streaks and teams that have been extremely cold that were supposed to be better – generally are, are, are due for a correction. So we'll see what this weekend brings. But to the point, Alex, I think having baseball back at Kauffman Stadium, full capacity, holiday, people off. You know, I really hadn't even thought a ton about it other than the fact that we'll be getting bigger crowds with the uh, announced, uh, you know, increase in attendance or, or the removal of, of um, you know, the, the limits before. I'm just, I'm in this weird bubble. I always have been where, you know, there's some times where I may not have even known Monday was Memorial day. And I just happened to have caught it this time. You know, like, you know, the 4th of July is the 4th of July, but you just get so wrapped up into the schedule that when we talk about, well, you know, everybody's going to be off for the day. Well, I'm, I'm not off. And, <laughs> and that's not a complaint. It's just, it's a reminder um, or at least my explaining that, Monday is to me no different than Tuesday or Friday or Saturday, or it's another day of baseball. It's another day of work. Other than the fact that I think it'll feel different for everything that you're saying that a lot of people, I, I think, I hope will make it a point of spending their Memorial day at Kauffman stadium. Like, I don't even know, actually, right. I mean, I, I'm outing myself here. I know I could look down and look it up, but for, for the sake of, uh, of a laugh um, and, and you guys are, are big fans. Like, I don't even know if it's a day game or a night game on Monday. What is it? It's uh, I think it's a night game, both both Monday okay. and Tuesday. I'll be there okay. Tuesday night. Um, I'm pretty sure both are night games. I know I, I know this much, Dan. Or like, I mean, I knew, you know, you would generally expect, I mean, the way the schedule typically works is outside of a holiday, a Monday and a Tuesday and a Friday would always be night games outside of Chicago and Wrigley Field. Wednesday or Thursday could be a day game because that might be a getaway day. And so, so sometimes they'll try to get a team out of town a little bit earlier. Sunday's typically going to be, a, it's always going to be a day game for everybody unless it's a Sunday night broadcast for ESPN and Saturday's kind of hit and miss. Um, you know, usually for us, a six o'clock game every now and then you get some, some wrenches in the schedule uh, and, and minus the first week or two where everybody's playing day games because it's, colder at night you get a little sun during the day on and on and on um, for the most part but next week I do know this that we have a Wednesday off and I don't remember ever having a Wednesday off uh 
in the same way that we have had uh, a couple Fridays off before at the start of the season when if we open on a Thursday, they have that built in off day on a Friday. And it's like, okay, here's our one Friday off for the year because you know that you're not, everybody plays on Friday, right? Um, but to have a Wednesday off is really strange. And it's like, it's our only day off in like a two and a half week period, I think too. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it means other than that, that we get so, um, that's why when I said like, I don't even know if Monday's a day game or a night game, it's just, you know, you kind of look and say, okay, um, what time do I need to be there tomorrow? And then, and then you go or in a couple of days and, and you don't really look too, too far ahead. Um, even less so for us right now, guys, because we're not traveling uh, with, with the pandemic like we have in, in, in the past. So we're home. So I don't need to sit there and say, okay, let's see, we're leaving on Sunday to go to Oakland and then we're flying to here. And this is when I'm home. I know where I'm going every single day. So it's um, uh, you just sort of get into that routine. I was going to ask you, um, you know, obviously last season was way different for everyone as far as uh, how their job functioned, especially a guy like you, who I think what you bring to to fans in the broadcast is this real genuine connection with, you know, players and, and coaches and, and staff that, um, and I watch a lot of broadcasts and I, I brag on our team because I think you guys do a great job of that. Um, how much has that changed the way you do your job? And then this year, you're still not, you're not allowed on the field. It's only tier one on the field, right? Yeah, that's right. And we're tier three. So basically your tier one is players and coaches, um, medical staff, that type of thing. Uh, tier two would be maybe more like your, uh, you know, your media relations people. And then tier three basically allows us to, it, it, I mean, it, it keeps us from the field, the locker rooms and all that. It's, it's harder. I, I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it is more of a challenge. And I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I try to put myself in the shoes of players and everybody's different with how they deal with the media. Um, I think most guys are really easy. We happen to have it. All of our guys are, are pretty easy to deal with. We don't have a lot of difficult guys or really any. Some teams have a lot of difficult guys. I, I get it. Um, some people can view the media as the enemy. Um, we're really not that bad. Um, and, and we, you know, our, our, group travels with the team. So it's, it's a different level. It's a different relationship than, than the rest of the media too. I mean, it's, we got a job to do, but I, I think those guys miss the interaction with us. We certainly miss it with them. I mean, I've heard from different players and coaches and staff that, you know, say, Hey, we, you know, we miss having you guys around. And I, I don't think it's just lip service, but to your point, Dan, I mean, it's, it's a lot harder to do our jobs. I think that for all of us, we we get so much from those face-to-face -face conversations because conversations just develop you may go in with hey I want to ask this guy about why he's doing this or how he sets up that or what his preparation or routine is for this and then it just sort of can spawn off into other topics and suddenly you're learning things that can be passed on um, for me you know I think for Ryan and, and Rex or Fizz and and, and Rex the hardest part for them is that they're having to call a game off of a monitor when the team is on the road and, and they're just going to miss things. I mean, they're they're We have so many um, pieces of technology and, and support staff around us to make everything work really well. And that's still happening, but you, you still need your eyes and you can only see what you can see on a monitor. And, and so we're at the mercy, that's just the way the business is right now. For me, it's less about that and more about the fact that that genuine 
connection that you talked about then and i appreciate you saying that because that that really is something i take more pride in than anything i do and it's not anything that i ever knew and i wanted to be a broadcaster and and got into this business 26 years ago i didn't understand the importance of that and, and now it's really to me i i hope my bread and butter it's it's what i it's what i live to do to be able to have this access to these guys and then share it with other people and then hopefully bring them a little closer um, to the personalities. And, and I don't have that ability right now. And you just can't do that over a zoom. You can do it. Some, I could do it better with, I could do it better with the guys like Salvi or like Whit Merrifield or, or even like a Nikki Lopez, but I don't know Andrew Benintendi or Carlos Santana much more than you guys do. And so that, you know, you, they, they, I've certainly had my interactions with them more than the average fan, but, but they're just like this. So it, I hate the expression. It is what it is because I, I think that that almost always comes in a negative way, but it is what it is. And I think that's okay because we're going to make the best of it. And if, if you as fans are still getting good coverage and you're getting the games, um, there are a lot of subtle things I could list off hundreds of them that, that aren't quite right, but, but it's more than good enough to make this happen and bring baseball to people. You talked about it, Joel, in the business for 26 years. And obviously I think anyone that works in baseball is a fan of the game. So how do you kind of separate? And because like you said, it's a job, you have to work on a Friday or a Monday, whatever it is. So how is it still you can be a fan of the game, but also appreciate the job that you have in it? Oh, it's a great question, Alex. And and it's probably one that I've um, just become more accustomed to or, or more um, just more comfortable with over the years. And what I mean by that is that early on, you're, there's that wow factor. You know, I mean, anytime now people say to me, like, you know, what's it like to meet or talk to so and so? I'm like, they're people. Uh, you know, what's it like to be on the field? It, it, it's cool. I mean, you know, like it, it, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It's all a big deal, but your perspective changes on it. And so it's work and it's less emotion. It's less awe and wow factor. I mean, I, Jeremy's one of the biggest fans I know. And, and I know that you still get geeked out on meeting these guys, but I don't think that you, it's not that you appreciate it less. It's just that once you've spent some time around some of these guys, uh, you just like, okay, they're, they're people. And, and, and so once that goes away, it just becomes routine. And, you know, I am a baseball fan and I'm a Royals fan. I've been here 14 years. I, I, I could root for these guys over my childhood team, the Philadelphia Phillies any day of the week. Cause I don't have any attachment to the Phillies and I have attachment. I have personal attachment to these guys the better they do, the better we all do. And I don't mean in terms of TV ratings, I mean, as a community, I mean, everybody's happier, everybody's spending more money, everybody's getting along better when their team is winning. And so, but with that said, I learned a long time ago that, that I have a job to do every single night, win or lose, and my energy on the air can't be affected by that. And, and of course it is to an extent. I mean, it's a lot easier to talk about a winning streak than a losing streak. It's more fun to talk about a winning streak than a losing streak. 11-game losing streaks generally tend to sound like a broken record. But you still have an obligation to, to bring it every single day. 
and and to to still bring people close to the game and to still have a love and a passion for the game that's easy to do when like look there's some people in in sports whether it be athletes or broadcasters or whoever that don't necessarily even love the sport and that might sound crazy but maybe they just have great talent and you know that's where the profession took them but most of us in whatever realm that we have whatever job we have in in sports and in baseball we love it so you you try to never forget that this is a big deal. You try to never forget that when you walk onto the field, when it's not a pandemic, that you're actually on a major league baseball field, that you're the one that gets to talk to the players, that as bad of a loss as it might've been, how awesome is it that, that you're the one that gets to talk about it? So that's not a tough sell. Uh, I have never had a day where I have dreaded going to work. So I feel very fortunate for that. I've never had a day where I wasn't excited to go see a baseball game. Um, there's some days where you're more tired and you would love a day off. But like, as we're recording this right now, Royals start their, you know, their, their um, series in Minnesota. I'm super fired up to see how they match up against the Twins. I want to see what Chris Bubich does tonight. I'm excited to see who they're going to choose as their starter tomorrow to be on the mound and on and on. So, I mean, these are, these are the cool things every single day where you're like, man, um, you know, the Cubs had that crazy play with Javier Baez the other day. And it's like, we always say you see something every day that you've never seen at the ballpark, which is true. Sometimes it's the naked dude on the slip and slide and, <laughs> and, you know, in Washington during a rain delay, which I sat there and thought, I think HUD might do that uh, with the clothes on, I think, but um <laughs> I, you know, like I, I really, I don't know what, what's going to happen tonight. And I love that element of it. I think I know what will happen and I'm probably going to be wrong. So um, I, I just, I love that element of it. And, um, and the moment that gets old is probably the moment you need to get out. We had a uh, Peter Grafal was on our last episode and we were talking about the idea, you know, you mentioned that the pennants aren't won this early, but they can certainly be lost this early um, with our upcoming schedule. We, you know, we have some, Central Division opponents, and then we have a lot of games not against anyone in the Central. How important do you think winning the series is for the Royals if we want to stay in contention? It, I don't. I don't think that a win or a loss in this series on any end keeps them in contention or takes them out of contention. It's too early for that. Look, I, I still think Minnesota is going to end up being in the playoff race, and. I mean, to me, it was really more a matter of how how long can they struggle until until they push themselves out of it. And of course, you know, there's not like a, a date, but the, the 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 further you dig yourself a hole, the further there's the or the lesser the chance there is to climb out of it. Take take it like like the Royals the other night. Um, facing Tyler Glass now, one of the best pitchers in baseball. The longer you could stay in the game, the longer Mike Miner can 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 keep his team in the game, is the longer you have a chance to win. And that's the same. So, like, if let's just say the Royals were swept this weekend, does that rule them out the rest of the year? No. Uh, if they were to sweep the Twins this weekend, does that get them closer to the playoffs? I mean statistically i guess a little bit but no i do think that the further you back yourself in a hole like the twins have the 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 less margin for error you have 
So I would still suggest that this series this weekend is more important to the Twins. Doesn't mean they're going to win. And it doesn't mean it's not important to the Royals. It, it, it's equally important to the Royals, but I think there's more at stake at this point for the Twins. With that said, this is a big stretch coming right now. And, and you've got, I think, seven of the next nine games are against the Twins, I believe. And then there's two in there against Pittsburgh. So I think that overall in those seven games, uh, you know, if you were to lose six or seven of those, that that becomes, you know, somewhat catastrophic to me. I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. So I, I think, you know, I hate, I don't hate the cliches. They're a part of the game. I just do everything I can to stay away from them uh, or, or keep, I try to keep the, the people that I'm interviewing away from them. So I'm going to try to stay away from them myself and hold myself to that same standard. So it's, it's really boring when you do the whole take it one game at a time thing. But I do think you view it in series, and, and I don't think you view any of it as, as life and death in terms of wins and losses at this point. I think you just have to go and play good baseball. The Royals are playing good baseball. They didn't play good enough baseball to win in Tampa Bay, but I don't think they leave, I don't think they leave St. Petersburg as a team that is struggling right now. Um, so, you know, back to the question, it's an important weekend. I think Mike Matheny or and anyone in baseball would say that, of course, every game is important. Every division game is important. I view it more as a little bit of a litmus test right now. Let's see where the Royals are at right now. But but equally, let's see where the Twins are at right now. I think it's really interesting. Um, I, I just have to ask this. So in the minor leagues, they kind of changed their format. They're playing six-game series straight. So I think almost every single minor league team has Mondays off, and they open up one series. You talk about the excitement around like, okay, now the Royals are playing the Twins tonight. If – Major League Baseball ever did that to where it's a twin six-game series. Would that get boring to you as a broadcaster? Do you like that format or not so much? Um, I don't know. I mean, I can roll with anything. I, I, I kind of just like where things are at right now. Um, and I think that's just because I, I, I personally am so used to the routine of you know, typically three games against the team and move on three games against team and move on. Um, I'm, but I, I'm generally pretty open Alex to anything. Like I, I, this sport can get really stale just in terms of we've always done it this way type of stuff. So I'm all for, I don't know. I'm all for experimenting on things and, and trying other things. Um, I will say that and it's getting off topic, but like I still think that we play too many games within the division. I think 19 is too many times to be facing, um, you know, teams over and over again. Um, that gets stale. It was even worse, you know, last year in the pandemic. She didn't see anybody else at all. Um, I just, I would like to see, I'm fine with the length of the schedule. I'm fine with 162. That might be a little bit selfish as a guy that gets paid by the game, but um, but I, but I'm wired for that too. Like I, it's it's a grind, and I know how to do it. Um, but I, like I, I don't know how many times you need to face Detroit and Cleveland and you know all that in the same year. Do you consider yourself a baseball purist? Yeah, but it's interesting. Like I'm a baseball. I think you can be a baseball purist and still like the tenth inning rule. Like do I, you I like the tenth inning rule? I love it, hmm. and and. And I'll be accused and have been accused of loving it because it gets me home quicker at the end of work. First off, I would say to you, well, every, you know, nobody wants to work extra hours if you don't have to. But I mean, I 
and worked. Like you can't control rain delays. You can't control all of that. Um, of course, I'd like to get home quicker, but we're, we're the only sport that shoots ourselves in the foot to say, hey, let's, let's, let's just completely deplete our rosters. And then, oh, by the way, let's go try to do it again tomorrow. And, and hey, for all of you fans out there, um, the product might not be as good. And uh, we might need to call up some reinforcements and we might need to demote some people because we don't have numbers anymore. And so we're going to water down the product um, just for the, for, for, for the, you know, for the history of the game. And it's like, wait a minute. I mean, you could be a purist. This game today is nothing like it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever. Does that mean that the game's not pure anymore? You know, I mean, there's a lot of get off my lawn type of stuff there, which is different than being a purist as far as I'm concerned. So like, why can't we look and say, how can we make this game better? And I get it. I've said before, like, who wants to stay up and watch an 18 inning game? And fans will be like, I do. How dare you say that? Well, great. Like, I love drama. I love extra innings. I love, uh, I love, there's nothing better than, than uh, uh, overtime hockey in the playoffs, sudden death, where it could go all night long. Um, I love that. But there's a reason why during the regular season, they don't go all night long because they're trying to preserve the legs of these guys. They're trying to preserve the product. Also, on top of that, I think the strategy in the 10th inning is awfully fascinating. Uh, I mean, is it a little bit arbitrary to start with a, a runner on second base? Sure, there are a lot worse things that you can do. You're not putting a pitcher or anyone in a situation that they wouldn't handle at any course during the game. So go figure it out at that point. I love the fact that suddenly guys that are good at small ball become really valuable and guys that can run become really valuable. And if it still goes 11 or 12 or 13, which it can, great. I, I think that the drama that has, has built up now in the 10th inning where maybe you hold back a pitcher to pitch in the 10th or 11th inning versus saying, oh, we just got this mop-up guy left for the next five innings. And oh, by the way, then we need to replace him. And he just Let's thank him and praise him for doing such a great job. By the way, kid, you're going back to the minors. We, we need somebody else tomorrow because we got nobody left. And oh, by the way, they may or may not make it on time because it's a day game the next day. So um, I think you can be a purist and, and still be, be someone that likes change. Joel, this is our favorite part of the show. It's a fast five quick round. It's five okay. quick questions. And you have as much time to answer as needed. Are you ready? I think so. All right. So the first one, don't get mad at me here. But the video resurfaced on Twitter about your interview with an imposter in the crowd, yeah. Guy Fieri. What's the backstory on this? Did it resurface? Why did it resurface this time? Uh, because Guy Fieri signed an extension with the Food Network. So shouldn't um, – I'm just thinking about this. I don't know if I should get an extension then because he got it or, or how that would all work. Um so the story on that one, it's amazing. It was 2009. It was my second year here. Stadium renovations had just been done. So they're having me pop all over the stadium and do like all kinds of, you know, features on this food and this, you know, the little K and all the things that, you know, were, were added in and going up in the scoreboard and all these things. And my producer that day says to me, um, you know, do you know who Guy Fieri is from the Food Network? I'm like, I think I've seen him. My, my wife watches a bunch of that stuff. He said, do you want to interview him? I just met him. He's here. And I said, sure. I mean, I'm always looking for content. He said, okay, um, here's the seat that he's in. I told him that you'll come and see him. So why don't you go on the whatever inning it was? I'm like, all right, that's cool. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know him or anything like that. I, I go down, I sit down and he seemed like, he just seemed like 
like I don't I don't know the real Guy Fieri, um, and I really had never watched the show other than maybe seeing it on in the house. And I don't I don't think that was like one of my wife's favorite shows, but she'll flip around and watch some of that stuff. So I mean, I and he wasn't as big then as he is now, but but I mean he was a big name. So I sit down, and I think the only thing that struck me as weird is that he wasn't really that outgoing. He seemed kind of nervous. And and so I'm like, oh, maybe the guy's distracted or bothered or whatever. But I mean, the thing has been set up. Let's do it. And then, like, you know, you're kind of getting halfway through and you're like, yeah, this isn't right. Like, this, this isn't that. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, one of the things about our job is that you live with, you, we get all the credit when everything goes great. When the reality of it is, is that most of it comes from behind the scenes. We have a great researcher and Dave Holtzman. We have amazing director and producer and and camera people and editors and lighting and audio, all that. Um, nobody knows who they are. They're comfortable being in the spotlight. Um, in this case, something went really bad, went real poorly. And, um, you know, I wasn't the one that set it up. I was kind of just following a suggestion and, 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 um, and some work that had been done for me, but that's on me, you know? And, and so um, every now and then it'll, it'll surface. I mean, it was funny, like over the years, if I would argue with someone over, on Twitter over a play or something in the game, they'd be like, well, what about Guy Fieri? I'm like, okay um i thought we were talking about like this pitching change last night or whatever it is so it's all in good fun no uh i i i suppose that once it's out there it'll never go away um and i, I hope the next time he signs a new contract that um you know we can talk about it again <laughs> it was three years 80 million dollars by the way so yeah i feel like i should be getting some like some fake royalties <laughs> on that or something <laughs> i think so too i think so too Joel, do you think we'll see Alcides Escobar at the K of the season? That's a great question. Um, he's hitting right now. I know that much. Yeah, he is. You know, he wasn't playing a whole lot when they signed him, which I, I suspect that, I don't know this, they probably told him that, uh, you know, it, once Modesty's done with his rehab, he'll, he'll get playing time. The focus has to be. Um, and I don't know this either. I mean, I talked to Esky right when he signed. He, was, he talked about how excited he was to be able to get back home. Obviously, he wants to play in the big leagues. It's also been a number of years since he's played in the big leagues. And so, you know, you have to ask yourself why. Um, why hadn't he gotten that chance from others? So I will say this, like if he, if we see him in the big leagues, one, it's probably in a utility role. And I think he could probably play a bunch of positions and do that. Um, but if we do see him in the big leagues, I think it's probably because somebody got hurt. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that he is, I might be wrong, but I don't think that he's going to, take someone's spot right now that that is up here like are you gonna say I, I i mean i guess anything's possible but i, I think if you see i'll see this escobar it probably also comes with some bad news but at the same time it'd be really fun and emotional and exciting to be able to see him too and i also wonder like it is and i don't know if this is true is it possible they're grooming him to to pot to be some kind of a coach at some point um i don't even know if he's interested in that but sometimes you get a guy that you know, has, has accomplished everything already and he's in the minors, is, 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 there a, is there a different end goal than we're aware of? And, and maybe that's the case too. Yeah, when we signed him, a lot of buddies texted me like, why? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's just that, you know, I think of the, of the, of the big four that, that left or, or you know, had the, the big going out party. I, I think he was probably the least, um, I don't know what the right word is, he was the 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 least superstar of all of them because Hosmer was Hosmer, Kane was 
um Kane was Kane and Moose was Moose and and you know Eski was the slick fielding shortstop that didn't hit like those guys do with that said um you know he he had some of the greatest highlights and memories in Royals history you know and, and I mean specifically the in, inside the park home run so I, I think that I'll see this Escobar will be will be a a welcome celebrity in this town anytime he steps foot in, in Kansas City so out of those three you mentioned Moose, Kane, Haas, what three might have the most chance to come back to Kansas City? Um I I, I don't know that I I mean certainly at this point none of them. I, I think you got to look further out, like end of career type of stuff. I mean, Haas isn't going anywhere. I don't think from San Diego for a long time. And, and the other side of that is if, if things play out the way they're supposed to, hopefully Nick Prado is, is the guy that is, you know, filling Eric Hosmer's role for many, many years to come. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a guy like Moose can come back, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. And I, I think, I think the same thing for Kane. I mean, I, I don't, so I, I don't, I don't really see any of those guys coming back uh, unless it's towards the end. And then, you know, maybe, maybe someone like a, you know, like a moose who could play different positions and DH, maybe, maybe someone like that. Mine is completely unrelated to baseball in a way, but are you better than Alex Gordon at golf right now? No, no, I'm worse. I'm worse than him. And I don't know that he's all that good, but I think he's the difference is is that he um, is an athlete and I'm not, so that helps a little bit. Two, he has, as we all know, extreme discipline and drive. If he, I fully expect Alex Gordon to be really good at golf in two years, three years, one year, because he's going to just he's just going to put all of his attention towards it. He's taking the high level lessons. He's out there all the time. You know, I've played twice this year, which is probably one more than what I usually play in a year. And I think I got a third coming up. So I, I'm not putting in any effort and he's an athlete. So now he's, he's already, and, and he'll be the first to tell you that he, he needs a lot of work. So that'll tell you how bad I am. And then Joel, the last question I have for you is simple. If a 15 year old kid walked up to Joel Goldberg right now and said, Joel, I'm not a fan of baseball. I'm never going to watch. What are you saying to that 15 year old kid? Um, have fun playing Fortnite. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't really, I don't try to sell the game to someone that doesn't want to watch, but what I do try to sell the game and I do a lot of public speaking to companies and I'll always go in and I'll say, look, if you're a fan of baseball, great. But if you're not, I, I still think that, that uh, I can keep your attention here because within the game, there are so many stories. And to me, beyond the wins and losses is, is every one of these guys from, you know, Salvador Perez and the influence of his mom and his grandmother um, to, to um, Danny Duffy and the, the troubles that, that he has overcome and, and uh, the amount of work and dedication that he has put in to on and on, like every one of these guys to Whit Merrifield thinking about quitting the game and staying in there. So, you know, beyond the 15 year old, is I, I would just, and this is what I love about my job, getting back to what Dana was saying before. Like, I, I just love the fact that I can tell these stories. And, um, you know, I always tell people, 
and, and baseball can be known as a slow game. But when you start to understand the strategy and, and all the different moving pieces and all the, the, the data and the analytics and everything, like, you know, a 15-year-old that doesn't maybe love sports or love the game, there, there's so much in baseball that, that, you know, when you start looking at all the launch angle stuff and the spin rates and all of that, like this is a, a geometry teacher and a physics teacher's dream. So I, I don't, but I also say this, Alex, I mean, I have a 15 year old and I, as far as I'm concerned, 15 year olds aren't going to listen to me anyway. So, <laughs> you know, they're teenagers. So, um, you know, I just try to try to sell the game and the personalities in it. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a whole nother generation of Royals fans right now because of what happened in, you know, in, in 2014 and 15. You do an incredible job on that, man. Um, I was at a minor league game last weekend and it's fun to watch any baseball live, but mm -hmm. I think what's, what's cool about, you know, me personally being out at the K is I care about these guys. I feel like I yeah. know them and that's because of the work that, that you guys do during the broadcast. So thank you for being so great at that, man. Well, I appreciate that too. And, and, and it is, it's like, um, you know, it's kind of like one big happy family that, that has its fights and that, that sounds really cheesy, but like we all see things differently. And um, I've come to sort of learn too, that like I got, I, I interact less on Twitter now than ever just because it it could be a time suck and and I've sort of learned that like I could correct people because I have more I have access to more information like anybody can find the stuff I have but I know how to do it in one second and some people you know you can't just google how do I find but you know like I mean there's a lot of high level stuff here so I generally have the answer to say to someone you know like for instance a guy yesterday says to me Brady Singer's ERA is approaching five. He better get get his act together. And I wanted to reply like, or what? First of all, second of all, he had a bad first start and a, a missed start. And the eight starts in the middle, he had like a three something ERA. So so because he has a bad day yesterday, suddenly means that he's on notice. No, but I think that what I've come to learn too is people want to be able to bitch and vent about stuff. And like my wife has told me many times, like don't don't be that wet blanket on, on, on that passion that they have. It might be misplaced in terms of their facts, but I mean, are that, are, 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 are their facts or misinformation really affecting any, I mean, in a, in a, in a day and age of misinformation, their stuff is just, it's just an opinion and, and it's fine. So, you know, every now and then, if somebody has a quest, like a question that I can blend some insight to, I'll, I'll jump in there. But for the most part, part of the fun of, of being in this, family of, of fans is that you know you have your grumpy uncle and you have your people that just look I have people that I only hear from after losses and I have other people you only hear from after wins it's telling in terms of personality but maybe that's maybe that's that's a release that's a fun thing so it's all good I mean it's um it's it's all part of it and and I always say if better to hear from people than not to hear from anyone at all I love it. But Joel, put yourself over. Where can fans follow you on social media so they can tweet to you some information during games on Twitter and also hear your work every single night on Royal Games? Well, I, I think Twitter, I mean, I'm on, on every social media platform except for um, TikTok. Um, not yet, uh, right? Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> you never you never know. Um, I'm not on Snapchat a lot. I'll check some stories and things like that. But um uh, but Twitter is probably from a baseball standpoint, the best Goldberg KC, you can, um, you know, you could tweet me about fake guy Fieri, you could tweet me about, um, you know, whatever gripes you have, 
and um, um, you know, and 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 if it really makes no sense, the the mute button's a beautiful world in, <laughs> in Twitter. I don't really like to block people unless it, unless it gets personal, but um, you know, it's the the beauty of this sport is it's every day, and so there's going to be an opinion every day, and it's the only sport where you have to pick an order. You know, it's 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 okay. Here's your starting five in basketball. What are you going to say? Like, well, he shouldn't be the point guard. He should be the center. Like, you know, like, or uh, um, baseball is just, it's so fun that way. Right. I mean, like I can pull 10 people with what they think the lineup should be tonight, uh, 10 random people. And there's a good chance I might get, you know, seven, eight, 10 different answers. So that, that in, in some ways that's kind of fun. Well, Joel, thanks so much. You're one of the best to do it. So thanks again for coming on today's episode. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.